Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Doug, this is Jim. How can I help you? Jim, good afternoon, sir. Uh, two questions, uh, both involving expansion joints. One is in a driveway. Uh, whatever kind of cheap wood was used, it's, it's completely gone. And uh, you know there there's dirt and it's getting eroded away. Uh, what 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 is your recommendation for the uh, proper way to remedy that situation? Well, uh, you got a couple choices. One is you can just go back and cut wood and put down in there again, which is usually a real pain in the butt to do. Yes, sir. Uh, they do make some flowable uh, type materials that you can put in there. Uh, and by that, you you'd clean it out. Make sure you got something in the bottom to catch the material, because it'll flow right through if you don't, and it self levels and seals it up. So that would be something else you could use. Or there's a product that I like called Trima Slab. Mm-hmm. And this Trima Slab product is basically comes in a roll. And it has different sizes depending on what size gap you have, you know, in, in, in your expansion joints there. Okay. And basically you clean it out to where you got about an inch or so that you can drop this material into it, snaps into place, and you're done. Do, 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 so, the, so the depth of this, this roll material is about an inch. Well, I know I've, the, the, the depth below the top of the concrete is more than that, so we what, fill it sure. in with sand or something? Yeah, you don't have to fill it in with anything. This this will be just goes on the top, and that's all you would need. Okay. Is uh, I mean, I think I've heard of a product similar to that. I've never seen one installed. Is is there any any likelihood that it would tend to pop out or work out or anything? No. Uh, the the way it works is it's it's got little fins on it. So as you slide it down, those fins put pressure against the concrete. Oh, okay. And so you'll play heck pulling it back out. Okay, okay. The the other question is a similar similar uh, thing, expansion joint, but this was a uh, in in the uh, in a brick wall. The builder left a, a joint that was filled with plywood and uh, just painted over. And uh, you know, after a period of time, that that doesn't hold up too well. So I'm wondering. Right. Is, uh, what would be the best way to do that? Would that would that deteriorated wood in there need to be all pulled out? And if so, I would pull that wood out. Yeah, they shouldn't have had wood in there to begin with. That that was part of the construction phase, just to give them something to brick up to, because that's that is an expansion joint. Yeah. Uh, and it should be just be filled with a an expandable caulk. Now the the best one out there, and it's a little hard to find, but it's called Big Stretch. Uh, and well, if you can find that one and fill that gap with that, uh, that has a lot of elasticity to it. So as the building materials expand and contract, that doesn't crack open on you. Well, Jim, this, this, this gap is probably somewhere on the order of about three-quarters of an inch wide. Yes. And, and this yep, take, take a look. You, you, I'm going to put you on hold because let's, let's address how to to fill those gaps because a lot of people have that issue and I'll be I'll come right back to you when we left I was talking with Doug about expansion joints and Doug uh, 
when it's a wide gap like that, what you have to do is put in what's called either a backer cord or backer rope, whatever you want to call it. But basically those styrofoam little ropes that you yeah. can buy yes, is made to pack it in there, and then you can cover that up with the caulking. Of course, this is you know since this is a vertical joint, I'm I'm wondering how do you keep the once you start putting the caulk in there, what keeps it from just running running down and pooling at the bottom? Uh, caulking is thicker than that. It does it doesn't run like that. Okay. Now the the stuff that you would use on the driveway, you know that I was talking about the expand right. the uh, liquid one. Yeah. That would run right down. Oh, but okay. when you use the caulking stuff, it doesn't. Okay. And and Jim, just one other thing. There are sure. some. I'll say more than hairline, but not not massively wide cracks in the concrete in the driveway. Uh, what would you suggest as a as a way to 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 fill those in? I wouldn't. Just leave them alone. Yep. Okay. Typically, the reason concrete now, typically, is a key word here. The reason concrete cracks is it expands and contracts with temperature and moisture changes. Mm -hmm. uh, and usually if that gap starts opening up, it's because the reinforcing isn't that good. And more than likely on a driveway, somebody used wire mesh, which is under the concrete. And so you're going to get some gaps and you can put uh, epoxies in there. You can put all kinds of stuff. It sticks out like a sore thumb. And it doesn't really fix anything. Okay. All right, sir. All right. Well, that doing nothing, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> Got that one covered, have you? Yeah. And the uh, the caulk that you suggested for the uh, vertical uh, brick expansion joint is called yes. Big Stretch? Big Stretch. Okay. Well, I'll... Now, how, how, you, you mentioned that, you know, that that wood rotted and, and stuff. How, how old a driveway are we talking about? It was new in 92. Okay, so it it held up a long time. Yeah, there are some some narrow sections where there is is wood, you know, somewhat below the surface that's that's right. still there. I guess it just got, you know, caught in compression there. But uh, the other areas, they're just it's just completely deteriorated and gone, and and uh, need to do something. Sure. Well, that that uh, trim slab stuff I was talking about. Yes, sir. Uh, I've seen it at some of the Ace Hardwares in different places. Uh, you definitely can order it online, and it's it's made down in League City. Oh, okay, good. So it's local. Well, that's always a good thing, and I very much appreciate your help, sir. You bet. Have a good day. Hello, Diana. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I I'm have doing a question. <laughs> um, our daughter and son-in-law uh, bought a home. It was a new construction in Bridgeland. And uh, there was a builder next door that was building a home, and it is complete now. And there, the foundation and the level is like almost three feet above everybody else's. Um, with the concerns about flooding in this area, um, particularly after Tax Day and Harvey, I know that my husband and I, we went through uh, both of those floods. And some of the problem with where we live was because some of the homes at that time were built up higher than what ours was, so the runoff was coming into our yard. Um, but isn't there a law now or a regulation that's supposed to be that you have to keep things uniform within a within a development so it doesn't impose on the other on the neighbor that could cause flooding? Isn't there a regulation on that now? No. 
what what the regulations are is they have actually made it where new homes being built have to be built higher up. Now there there are regulations that you can't have your lot drain onto neighbors' lots and stuff like that. Uh, and so typically what they do is the foundation type that a lot of people are having to go to is a pier and beam type foundation because water can migrate underneath it and and uh, instead of being displaced and moved into neighboring properties but even slabs have to be raised up but they can't raise all the soil around the house in order to do it they have to raise yes. just the house itself well there's well there's houses that this is all brand new homes and so all Diane, of I'm going to put you on hold because we definitely need to address this because this is a, a up and coming big problem for more people. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. When we left, I was talking with Diana about uh, the elevation of foundations and flooding and such. And Diana, what, what part of town are we talking about? It's in Bridgeland, right off of uh, the Grand Parkway and Bridgeland Creek Parkway near Bridgeland High School. Okay. Uh, and it's, um, yeah, and and it's, this is all brand new homes. And this one right. particular home, this other builder, has built this up home so high. And the pitch on this roof is so steep that when the rain said, you know, we've had a couple of really good rains where it's just really, it's gushed down. And when it gushes down the side, there's no gutters back there. And then it runs down and it runs directly over into our uh, daughter and son-in-law's yard and right. the water you know accumulates there and that's what they're concerned about i know that they've got french drains in their yard right right now but when it's a massive amount of water it won't you know it takes a while for that to go off and we were concerned and they're concerned about it that if they had a harvey or something like that or tax day flood what could happen and yep. it, it affects the home on the other side too which is the same builder that they have but um, this particular home in the middle is a different builder, and it's up so much higher. You can tell. I mean, it's like about two and a half to three feet higher than the other homes. And right. uh, so if, if with this new code regulation that you're talking about, can you go and present something to that builder about the concern to see if there's something that they could do to try to uh, eliminate you know, the concern well, of, of possible as far problems? As, as far as the water going you know, from that new home's lot – into the other lots that's always been on the books that you can't do that the new yeah. part is how high they have to build the house so let me ask you a question when when was your daughter's home built uh let's see they just oh gosh they just moved into it not too long ago it's just been a i'm trying to think how long they've been in it now about two to three months okay I guess, something something like that and did they not buy it uh did they, did they buy it brand new and then they started building it or did they was it a spec house that was built that they bought it was a spec house under construction and then they okay you know they bought it yeah and so they were just waiting for completion and the house next door um the other couple they moved they theirs was completed not long after that and i know that right. they expressed some concern to the builder when that other one was the foundation their the main contractor um that was the building supervisor their concern about it and it was just kind of <laughs> brushed off and uh yeah. but, you know now now they've had a chance to see what happens when it has rained a couple of times when it's hard 
so it's just a concern, and we just wanted to know if there's anything they could do, if they could do, to go to that other builder to see if they could do something to present a concern. If there's a, if there is yes. a new code regulation, if they could present that to them to say, hey, you need to do something about this because, you know, the liability issue, you know, it could be if, something that could go back on the builder. If the water is coming, you know, off that roof, hitting the property, and then runs off into the neighboring yards. Uh-huh. then yes, the, the builder needs to take care of that because they have to divert the water on their own property to take it out to the road or to the ditches or whatever. Uh, okay. The reason I was asking about when these houses were built, anything that was permitted and turned in prior to September of 2018 fell under the old codes on elevations. Anything yeah. after September of 2018 fell under the new codes, which is probably why it's so much higher. Um, yeah. But they, the, the, the codes as far as distributing water have always been the same. The only thing that's changed is how high the, the floor elevation has to be. Yeah. Okay. But do you know what this code is or is is there any way we could look it up online to find out what it is? So if we had something, you know, printed out to present to uh, that builder to say, hey, this is what the, is required and what you have to do. Is there something that I, we can look at or to present? I wouldn't go to the I wouldn't go to the builder himself. I'd go to the city. Okay. Well, it's probably probably going to be under the county because uh, it's not in a city limits. You know, because Cypress is not uh. incorporated. Okay. So it's if a little it's bit not, different, but it's uh, yeah. Bridgeland Development. You know, I guess you'd have to go to Bridgeland Development about it. Yeah, yeah. just go, go talk with them about it. As far as which code it is, uh, you're talking about actually multiple codes, and all of them are state-regulated, and I can't tell you what, what the code numbers are. I, I don't yeah. keep track of that kind of stuff. But I can tell you that the elevation code is being pushed by FEMA and yeah. the flood insurance companies. Uh, as far as the drainage issues that, that keeps the water from draining on neighboring properties, that's part of the Texas property codes. Yeah. Okay. Texas. And they'll know codes. exactly what you're talking about when you say you can't divert water onto our property. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so very much for your information and your time. I really appreciate it. We'll pass that on to our daughter and son-in-law, okay. and hopefully this will give them something to help them to get some support. Thank you so much. No problem. It's asking about a toilet. Every time it is flushed, it makes a high-pitched noise. Well, Dan, typically what's causing that is a washer or O-ring has come loose, whether it's in the cutoff valve under the toilet or in the valve in the tank of the toilet. As water is going by, it's opening that that rubber o-ring or gasket is moving just enough that the water is basically whistling as it's going by just like when <clears throat> you put your lips together and you blow and it and it whistles water can do the same thing flowing through an opening that way and so it's basically the pipe whistling at you uh it's going to be a matter of trying to figure out is it inside the tank or or the valve under the tank usually and i hate to say this but a lot of times it's going to be in that valve under the tank, you know, the one that's in the wall there. Uh, the fact that it's isolated to just the toilet 
is what gives the, the giveaway. Now, it again, it can be in the insert inside the toilet tank. How can you check it out? Well, shut the water off, undo the hose connection under the tank, and open the valve and just run it into a five-gallon bucket. If it's whistling, you know it's in the valve. If it's not, then more than likely it's in the tank. You're just isolating the two parts, and uh, hopefully that'll get it fixed for you. Uh, the repair, you know, depending on the valve, how old it is, under if it's under the sink, the, the toilet, you may want to just replace the whole valve itself because those things are notorious that as they age, they crust up, you can't shut water off properly with it any longer, and they end up needing to be replaced anyways. Uh, if it's not that old, then you can take it apart and, and replace the rings and gaskets in it and, and make it still work. But uh, if it's in the one in the tank, just buy a whole new insert and replace it. Uh, those things are not typically something you want to bother spending the money on rebuilding. Robert, listening to us on KTRH, how can I help you? Yes, thank you for taking my call. Uh, I got distracted when you were explaining what to do to protect the pipes outside uh, from the freeze, and I heard you say that you should not uh, let the the uh, faucets drip, but I missed what you said about uh, uh, covering the pipes up or wrapping them up with some kind of uh, material. Could you just kind of go back over that? Oh, absolutely. You, sh you should do like I always end up doing because I wait until it's dark. I'm getting into bed, and my wife says, did you cover the pipes? And I said, no, I didn't. Go take care of that. So go in my pajamas with a towel, and I'll wrap it around the, the hose bib. And if I know that there's going to be a good freeze, I'll typically mist it with a little water on the outside so it gets a hard shell, and that blocks the wind from going through the towel as well. But the towels actually insulate it extremely well. Okay, so just a regular old towel and yep. a little mist on it to... Uh to provide kind of a covering. Okay, sounds good. So now, does it make any difference? Because I just noticed, this is my mother's house, and I just noticed on the spigot out there, the, the pipe actually comes out of the ground as opposed to out of the house, out of the side of the house. Does it make any difference in that situation? If the pipe's coming up out of the ground, uh, gets, you, you can still wrap it with towels if you want, but I really would recommend that you just get some of the regular pipe uh, wrap, you know, the the... It kind of looks like those floaty tube things. Okay. Put that or put that around it because then it's protected all the time. Okay, got you. Okay, I appreciate it. You bet. Take care. You too. Bye. Now, a a lot of times people start worrying about pipes that are in the ground freezing. We don't have that issue in Texas. Uh, you know where the ground itself freezes. Now, if you get way up in the Panhandle, yes, they they can have that issue, but. You know, North Texas, South Texas, all those areas. If the pipe's underground, you don't really need to be worried about it. Peggy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. See, I am trying to paint my kitchen cabinets, and I have a dilemma. Should I go latex, latex or all day? You don't want it to turn yellow. What is on I, them now? Um, they have a stain on them. Okay. So you're going to have to, you know, uh, take care of cleaning them up real good first before you do anything. Then, because they do have a, a uh, finish li like that on there, you're going to need to use a deglosser on it. 
like a peso okay. or something like that. Uh, then you can prime it and paint it. Here's the difference in the paints. A mm -hmm. oil-based paint, which has traditionally been used, hardens, gets harder than the latex paints do, uh, and it won't peel as easily. Uh, however, there's a lot of the newer paints that are Accolade-type paints that are uh -huh. replacing the oil-based paints. Uh, and I heard your husband in the background. He probably didn't think I heard him, but he didn't want it to yellow. And right. the, ac the Accolade paint will actually not yellow as easily no. as an oil base. Okay. Okay. And what about the smell? Does latex have a smell like the oil base does? Uh, well, they're all going to have some odor. Uh, it's typically not going to last as long. Uh, but you're going to have to be a little bit more careful with the cabinets, especially at first, to make sure nothing, you know, hits them and stuff. Because it, it, it'll take a little bit of time for it to cure good, where you, where you don't have to worry about things uh, hitting it. Uh, don't use a latex, regular latex paint, because it always maintains a little bit of tackiness. So, like when a door closes they'll they'll tend to stick to each other the paints will when you try to open it uh so yeah either use the the oil base or the the accolade type paints but not not just a regular latex okay i appreciate it and the only other thing i, I the only other advice i would give you on it is mm -hmm. if, if you're gonna you either spray it or you brush it you know, sometimes people will try to use a combination of a, a roller and brushes, and that sticks out like a sore thumb. So either spray the whole I, thing I, or brush the whole thing. Yeah, we thought about brushing it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And I will tell you, we uh, we my parents just did theirs. I happened to be at my uh -huh. parents' house today doing the show, and uh, it really, really looked nice. It, it came out great. So uh, you you can, like I said, either one of those paints will do you just fine. Great. Thanks. You bet. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And, you know, for a, it goes back and forth whether you want the wood look on your cabinets or painted cabinets. Uh, and, you know, for a while there it got where white was completely out, white came back into style. So it's it's always changing. But, yes, you can take wood cabinets you know you got to be careful that they are actually wood and clean them up and paint them uh, what you got to watch for is the ones that have a veneer finish on them those you don't really want to do joanne welcome to texas home improvement thanks jim um i uh, am calling because i have double front door with two side panels the doors are about six foot by ten high and the side panels are two by 10. Um, we have taken, where the doors are 32 years old, we've been in the house for 32 years. We've taken the doors down to the wood several times, about five times. My husband and I, we stained them and we've uh, sanded them, stained them and finished them uh, with uh, polyurethane, but they're really yep. dry. We're gonna do them again. Um, what do you recommend? Quit putting polyurethane on them. 
quit putting polyurethane, okay? Yeah. What else uh, the poly the, <clears throat> the issue with the polyurethane is it doesn't hold up real well to the sunlight. And mm -hmm. so it starts to fade and then it'll crack and and it allows yes. moisture back into the wood. Okay, um, and we are due west and so the sun is killing them. <laughs> yeah. Mean, it, just, it just gets them. So, yep. yeah. So what so do you recommend? What, what you need is something that you can apply without having to strip the doors down all the time. And I'm assuming what you're looking for is you, you like the grain showing, right? Right. Okay. Take a look at Ready Seal. You hear me talk about it for fences yep. and decks and stuff like that all the time. Okay. It is gorgeous on doors. Okay. And the beautiful part about it is... Every you know four or five years, rather than having to strip the door down, all you'll do mm -hmm. is clean the door, apply the product again, and it just you know you can brush it on real quick, and you're done. Okay, so at this point right now, what we're going to have to do is sand them down because I mean it's yes. it's dry. So we'll sand them, stain them, and then the ready and then the ready seal. Nope. the the ready seal is a stain and sealer in one, and so oh, okay. once you apply that, you're done. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> Good. Okay, so then we will just sand them down and try the ready seal. And it comes in multitudes of color? Yes, ma'am. Okay, awesome. All right, we will go for that. I currently have a six-foot side-by-side fence on metal post. I'd like to change to board-on-board, -board, but I noticed that on most board-on-board -board fences, the fence post goes all the way to the top rail. And it's and the top rail is installed on the top of the pickets. Since I have side-by-side -side fence, my posts are a few inches shorter. Do I have to extend the post in order to go to board on board? Probably not, because what you can do is, if, if on the board on board, if you want to have that decorative top rail on there, you run your rails up, you can go above the the post and then you can attach a two by or even a one by depending on what size top rail you want or top board you want on each side of your picket on picket and that'll give you a flat surface on top then to attach the very top board and it, it's very decorative and you can actually make a wider top board and put some trim pieces so uh, no, it's not necessary that you gotta extend your post. Now, do you want your post, you know, two feet below the top? No, because your pickets could warp and, and bow that way. But uh, if, if you're within, say, a foot or so, you'll be just fine. I need to have my attic insulation removed and replaced. Do you recommend bat or blown-in insulation? Well, Jeff, first of all, typically. There has to be a good reason why you want to remove the old insulation. Uh, sometimes cellulose is, is a good reason to remove it. As it ages, it turns to dust. And if yours is old enough where it's turning to dust, you want to get it out to keep dust from getting in the home. Other times, varmints get into the attic and have done their business in your insulation, and it just plain stinks. It's got to go. So... We'll just make the assumption you've got a good reason why it's got to come out. What do you replace it with? Here's the difference between blown-in and the uh, bat-type insulation. I use fiberglass on both. 
when you blow insulation in, it does a fine job. It, and you can blow insulation in over existing insulation to add thickness. The, th the deal is blown in insulation settles with time. And so 15 years from now or 20 years from now, whatever, you'll end up adding more insulation. If you use a bat-type insulation, you know, that's the roll stuff, it doesn't settle. When you put it in, it's there to stay. You are done forever. But typically, it does cost a little bit more for the labor to do the install. So it's going to depend on if you're going to do it yourself or not. If you're going to do it yourself, put the bat insulation in. And you can put bat insulation over existing insulation as well. If you, your uh, insulation has settled where it's about even with the ceiling joist, for instance, run the the rolled insulation the opposite direction of the ceiling joist. So it's like a checkerboard. Works wonderfully. Now, how much insulation do you need? Typically, dealing with fiberglass type insulation, you're looking for 15 or 16 inches, which is going to put you up around a, our, you know, R39 uh, or so. That's what we need in Texas. R39 to R49. Depends on what part of Texas you're in. So 15, 16 inches. Uh, if you have less than that, yeah, it's time to add. If you if you have that much in there, honestly, you can add more, but you're not going to get much for energy savings beyond that level. So hopefully that helps you out with your insulation issues there. This is a... Uh, tunnel under the sidewalk question from Robert. He says had mold tunnel under sidewalk in front of house. Now when it rains water flows through the tunnel and exits where it ends at the curb. Sidewalk is about 25 to 30 feet long. Soil is being washed out from under the sidewalk. You can see where rainwater enters near start of sidewalk and hole where water soil comes out at curb. Have tried to plug it at start and end, but have not been able to stop problem. Need your help as to what to do. Well, here's the issue. If you try to plug it with something solid, even if you're just trying to pack dirt in there, it's, chances are going to just go around it. So here's what I would do. I would first start by washing sand into it. Just use a water hose. Use some bank sand. Uh, play sand, whatever, and slowly wash it into the hole to fill up as much of the void as you can. You're going to know that you got it filled up because the sand will start running out the bottom once you've got it pretty much filled up. Then pack it with gravel. Uh, you can use just the pea gravel stuff. What that does is it keeps the water from just running and washing sand out. After you've packed that under the sidewalk, then you can put uh, dirt back up on the side of the sidewalk where the hole is, where it's coming out, or going in rather, uh, to fill the void. That should keep it from washing the soil that you just put over that hole back into the hole. Now, one thing you can do that goes a little bit further beyond that is take some fabric uh, you know, for landscaping fabric and put on that before you put the dirt over the gravel. And that just uh, helps that much more to keep it from 
being able to wash away. Uh, hopefully that'll take care of your issue there. Ronnie, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I got a, a, a brick home, and on the uh, back porch, if you go out the back door, I got a sidewalk. But the home is separated from the sidewalk, connected right to the brick home itself. And I'm wondering, what's the best way to go about Is that a fix, something I can do, or should I call in somebody to do it for me? Well, I, I kind of missed a little bit there uh, of what you've got going on. Okay, you got a sidewalk on a brick home, and, and what is it doing? Separated. It's separated right at the crevice of the home and the sidewalk on my back porch. Okay, so the, the sidewalk is just basically walking away from the house? Yes. Okay, how far has it moved? How much gap do you have? Probably about a half an inch. Okay. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah, about a half inch. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you were listening earlier where, where I was talking about watering. Mm -hmm. But typically the reason a sidewalk walks that way is soils dry out, they shrink, they get wet, they expand. And that up and down movement starts allowing that sidewalk to walk away from the house. So if you'll start keeping it watered, you'll you'll start minimizing that and start controlling it from walking away. As far as what to do with a, a half-inch gap, and the reason I was asking, you know, how big a gap is, if you had a, a two- or three-inch gap, I would tell you just tear the sidewalk out and put a new one in. With a half-inch gap, though, you could actually put some of the uh, foam backer board down in there, you know, j just those uh, foam cords. Uh, mm -hmm. I said backer board. I'm sorry, backer rod. It's just a styrofoam round rope that you can pack down in there and then put some uh, uh, expansion joint material into that gap. Uh -huh. It self-levels. It'll seal it up, and it'll look gorgeous. You, can, uh, H, The places that uh, carry the, the type that I like is uh, Rental One. Uh -huh. yeah, the, where you, you go in there and just tell them you need some uh, expansion joint material, and it, it'll come in a caulking tube. Uh, uh -huh. They have the they have the really big caulking tubes also, but you know for do it yourself, just get the ones that are in the regular caulking tube. Uh, put that backer rod in there first, though, and you got to make sure it's in there tight because the material is rather liquidy, and you'll put it uh -huh. in there, and if it's not tight, it'll just ooze down behind it. But if it's tight. It'll fill that gap, levels out, seals up, and it'll it'll look great. Good, great, great, great. I give that a try. I really appreciate that. Not appreciate a problem. That. Yeah, hey, I also got the walls in front. You know, the little in my front of my yard, I got the walls that are separated too. That's a different animal. You think it's best to tear down those walls? You know what I mean? The little short. Yeah, the, the little ring, wing walls. Ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at the foundation part of it. If it is separate from the house uh, and your brick's not all weaved together, just take them out. Just take the brick, the, the little walling out? Yeah. Okay. Now, if the brick is weaved together and and the foundation, you know, beam is all one for, with the house, you know, that's not an option to take it out. You, you'd have to look at putting some underpinning under it to, to stabilize it. But if it's separate, you can't stabilize it anyways because, you know, that's just a narrow piece of concrete, and you start trying to pick it up, it becomes tippy and 
uh, somebody could get hurt with it, and you're better off to just remove it. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.